It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Katie, and this is the recap for episode 229. And here with me today is Kristen. I'm here, guys. Woohoo! Girl party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Also, I don't want to forget that this episode is sponsored by Paley Lewis on Patreon. Don't forget, you be- can become a sponsor for just little as $1 a month. And we will continue to res- um, to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors. So please head over in there and sponsor us. Thank you so much, Paley. Yay, Paley. We love you. You're awesome. All of our patrons are awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. I love we them all. I do this without them. <laughs> exactly. So much support for you guys. Oh, yeah. Well, you want to get us started on these amazing comments we got on the previous episode? Can do. So our first one comes from Arthur Dent. And Feminist Cat also agrees with this comment. Just want to throw that out there. So Arthur's comment is, Defendo affects skin too. As we found out in Deathly Hallows when Hermione slashes Ron's knee while freeing him from ropes conjured by an... Uh, I, incarcerous? I, incarcerous spell? I guess. I guess I'm not so. sure how to say that either. <laughs> During the fight with the Death Eaters in the cafe on Totem Hand Court Road. My interpretation is that while Defendo does work on anything, it only makes shallow or superficial cuts. Yeah, and that seems supported by the text. Um, Someone else left another comment Mm -hmm. um, that seemed to support this as well. So, because in the episode, they had used it to, or Harry used it to replace the spine, or sorry, the cover on his textbook for um for potions and they were wondering if it can be used to cut other things and clearly it can so thank you to arthur and feminist cat who was she just didn't get there in time arthur happened to (laughs) beat her (laughs) to the comment um but thank you guys for reminding us that that was actually used in a later book and it can actually cut skin and other things very interesting thank you guys 
Yeah, we're always happy to have you guys remind us when we forget things. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I say we, even though neither of us were on, the, on the episode. episode yeah. <laughs> I would not have remembered this, so I'll say we. <laughs> uh, next comment comes from Frumpy But Super Smart. She says, the confusion about owls that the hosts mentioned was in Chamber of Secrets, where the twins say that both Percy and Bill both got 12 owls each. Also in Goblet of Fire, Barty Crouch Jr. is mentioned as having gained 12 owls. Hermione, workaholic that she is, only took 11 subjects at owl level. So either Percy, Bill, and young Barty are all somehow more intense than Hermione is about work, or JKR is just really bad with numbers. <laughs> Which I tend to think the latter. I I think she just, she's, she's really bad with numbers. She's, she's proven that on bad with many occasions. <laughs> And I can't imagine anyone being more of a workaholic than Hermione. Yeah. But, I mean, Hermione has her good friends, so maybe they're the ones who kind of kept her down a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I wonder if she was thinking of taking a 12th and they were like, do you remember our third year when you took all the subjects yeah. and you were, like, crazy? Yeah, exactly. Like, you've already gone. She did, you know, that in her third year. So she's kind of already experienced that whole workaholic method and realized, ah, maybe it's not the best. So maybe she did just decide to do the 11 subjects. But I also agree, JK is really bad at numbers. So yes, it could be <laughs> both. Thank, thank you again for reminding us what happened in the other books and where that confusion comes from. Yes. Because yeah, that's that was super confusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next comment comes from Davy B. Jones 999. And they say, also on those nonverbal spells for simpler charms, I always thought of it like when in math you first learn how to divide and are taught long division for bigger numbers. Equally, eventually, when you get good enough at using it and then you don't, and then you just don't need to do long division anymore. First, I have to give some kudos to Davy B. Jones that he can do long division in his head because <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. I have never been able to do that in my head. Like, calculator, please. Um, but I, I do get the point he's making, though. Uh, they were talking about how using the word when you're casting a spell would probably put more power behind it um, oh, or make okay. it easier to do. And then the, the students are struggling when they get to the nonverbal part. So mm -hmm. it is definitely more advanced than doing it with the word. Um, so just like in math, yeah, it's more advanced if you can do it in your head. Good for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish yeah, I could geez. do math yeah. in my head. Um, but that but, does make sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because I know those nonverbal spells are going to be way harder. But yeah, the more you practice in and the more you use it over and over and over and over and over again, it kind of becomes almost like that muscle memory. Yeah. As well. Um, that they can go ahead and do it and bring it up that way as well using the nonverbal spells. Yeah. And Auror Phoenix had another comment on the same subject. Um, they said, and they were actually responding to Davy B. Jones. Okay. Uh, they say, I could see your point on nonverbal spells. For myself, I viewed it somewhat similarly as you, but with reading. At times when there is too much going on or too much stimuli around me, reading out loud to myself will help my concentration. Even further, a lot of the times, especially when reading more difficult texts, actually hearing the words to myself made it easier for me to focus and comprehend what I was reading. I would imagine for spell usage in the heat of battle among dodging explosions, using occlumency, casting spells, shield combos, 
avoiding nargoyles, uh, staring confusedly at Grop, even Dumbledore <laughs> would have to use a verbal spell or two, um, especially since many of those spells require high levels of concentration to even cast verbally. So. Very much so, I would assume, <laughs> especially yes. with all that stuff going on around them. And I like how, I mean, I do the same thing when reading that I do concentrate a lot better when I say it out loud. So I could totally see that being as you're about to, you know, cast a very powerful spell. You want to make sure you get it right and saying it out loud helps you exactly. with that. <laughs> yeah, those were really good examples. I love it when people take something, a concept we're talking about, and then turn it into something that's a little more easy to comprehend for us muggles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those were great examples, great metaphors oh, yeah. for what's going on in this chapter. Um, and I also wanted to mention, because I don't think they did in the discussion, that we are told, I think this was on Pottermore, um, I want to say it's the African Wizarding School, that they specialize in nonverbal magic. I think oh, they just, cool. they don't use wands at all. So there are some oh, cultures. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy to me. It's I like, have not looked at like the Pottermore. I'm still indifferent to Pottermore sometimes. <laughs> I don't blame you. I really don't. <laughs> like I don't want to, and I also don't want to be too spoiled on the schools because I want to wait till the movies come out. So I try not to read, especially like some of that new stuff. I'll go back and read stuff that she said about, you know, people from the Harry Potter series and everything like that but i try when it comes to all this fantastic beasts and the new schools and stuff i try to still stay away and because i want to see it on the movie first before i like go and read about that stuff gotcha yeah mm -hmm. hopefully we will see some of these schools in the movies that would be fantastic That'd be awesome i'm sorry i spoiled that part for you oh <laughs> uh, no 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 it's fine it's fine it's still good it's still good i mean yeah. I'm, I'm big into no spoilers right now it's so hard with Star Wars coming up and trying to stay away, but it, it happens. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, it just made me think if there are other schools around the world that are teaching their students to do this from a young age, mm -hmm. they're going to have such an advantage, I feel like, over schools oh, yeah. that are only using verbal spells or using it until they get to their you know sixth year. Um, yeah. So and I it's... almost feel like they should introduce this earlier in their education at Hogwarts. What do you think? Yeah, because it reminds me of like um, some European schools. They te you they they teach you know their native language, but also like English or a second language at four kids at a young age, and mm -hmm. now all their kids are able to speak two, three different languages. Um, so getting yeah. that in at a young age really helps um, them out. And Hogwarts definitely should be using that. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I really like that comparison too. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Our next comment comes from the head girl and they say, one of you said that there should be wands around the Quidditch pitch and I can't believe that never occurred to me before. That's so true. I find it extremely hard to believe that in all of the wizarding history, no one ever attacked a Quidditch match or Hexa player or something like that. I wonder if professional pitches do but maybe just not at Hogwarts. It's a very basic precautionary measure, and it seems like it would be something pro team owners would insist on to protect their investments. I mean, the players. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that astounded me as well. I just had not ever thought of it because um, this was in response to Hermione confunding Cormac. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you would think there would be some kind of protection spell around the pitch so that Malfoy couldn't just hex Harry while he's trying to catch the snitch. Yeah. Um, 
especially when there's so many people in the crowd who how would you even be able to prove who did the hexing mm-hmm. um, if someone did something like that? So, But are they saying that, um, or in the episode, do they say that they think that people aren't allowed to bring wands into the match? I think they meant ward or some kind of oh, wards. barrier oh, um, yeah. okay. around the Quidditch pit. pit. Gotcha. I said yeah. that wrong. That's why. <laughs> um, and yeah, I have more to say on that, but let me read... Dora Nympha's response to that too, because it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it has, yeah, it has to do with the same topic. Um, they say, well, from certain incidents mentioned in Quidditch through the ages, it seems like there is about as much protection against magic between the pitch and the supporters as any chance of Sir Nick has of entering the headless hunt. What's stopping an angry supporter from cursing a player of a team he or she dislikes at any point during a match with a well-aimed wand? Absolutely nothing. It did come handy when Arresto Momentum was the only thing saving an unconscious Harry falling from a deadly height, though. Uh, Perhaps it's less risky, after all, to play unshielded? Uh, Perhaps Ludo can be pressured to put forward some regulations on all this? Well, if only there was someone at the Ministry who is surrounded by Quidditch players and who loves to do the boring paperwork. Mm-hmm. Who could that be? I wonder. Uh, P.S. If there are naked runners interrupting football matches, are there naked broom flyers at Quidditch games from time to time? <laughs> Something for that evening profit to report on slow news days. Uncle Billius's 15 minutes of fame? <laughs> <laughs> so true i could so see that happening especially muggleborns or like half-bloods that know what go on in muggle sports yeah because that's a pretty common thing from what i've seen (laughs) yeah that's pretty interesting yeah i never because they don't really have well maybe at the professional ones like guards you know hanging around the entrances like they do at football games or like baseball games or anything like that so no one's able to get on the field yeah. But I don't know if they do that there or not. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um, and I could see maybe giving one or two people the ability, like Dumbledore did with Saving Harry. Um, I think in the book, it doesn't actually show the spell. In the movie, he says Arresto Momentum. But I think in, mm-hmm. the, in the book, it's just you see him wave his wand and then Harry slows mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there should at least be one or two people in authority that have the ability to penetrate these the protection of the players and and do things like that to save oh, yeah. a player's life. But I yeah, I definitely think there should be some some kind of protection in place to keep the, the players safe and keep the game from being interrupted. Cheap. Interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's very interesting. I, did, I never even considered any of that. Yeah. There's there has to be something. I hope so. And Maybe. well, at least with them they were out of practice. True. So, I mean, I could see it not always being put up for a practice and stuff like that. But um, during, like, real games, especially those professional games, there would have to be something. I would agree. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was just because it was a practice. Mm-hmm. Maybe during real games they do have spells in place. Yeah. And it's just Dumbledore is able to penetrate it. Yeah, because he's a headmaster, so it would make sense for him. I mean, he's probably the one who puts it on there or something, you know. Yeah. Um, even like I could see Professor McGonagall or uh, Madame Hooch because she's the one out there refereeing all that stuff um, that would have the ability to turn it on or off or mm-hmm. cast it. Hmm. 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Indeed. All right. Our next comment comes from Slytherin Knight, and they say, Hey, guys, just finished listening to the episode, and full disclosure, I'm one of the people who calls into question Hermione's character change in this chapter. And I stand by my statement, even though you all seem to disagree. Hermione in this situation directly influences the results of an event through the use of coercive magic, and not for the best reasons. There are examples of Hermione breaking the rules before this point, going after the Sorcerer's Stone in first and helping create the DA in the fifth year. The difference between those two events and this example is that the Quidditch tryouts don't have the fate of the world resting on them. I can understand why people think that this is a Gryffindor moment for Hermione, not thinking with her head but her heart, but this is also a Slytherin moment and she's using dark magic to use... She's using dark magic to take away someone's ability to, to act at their fullest potential. And I use the dark magic label only because she was using magic in a way that can seriously harm someone. What might have happened if what might have happened if Cormac had fallen off his broom while attempting to make the save? We see that he is still affected by the spell even after trots, unable to walk through an open door. For the hosts who say she is saving Harry from having to choose between Ron and McLagan, Harry could have just as easily had a second round of penalty shots. You see it all the time in soccer or football. It is the two teams are tied after five penalty shots. They keep going in sudden rounds or another round of five shots. This also shows to me that she doesn't trust Ron in his ability to beat McLagan or to Harry, or in Harry to make a difficult decision. She takes that choice out of Harry's hands, maybe for the greater good, as evident by the fact that McLagan is shown to be a terrible teammate, but that doesn't excuse her for doing so. I have to give some claps to this comment. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was listening to that conversation with the hosts, mm -hmm. I... It was rubbing me the wrong way, too, because they were all kind of excusing her to a, to a point. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not so sure that's as excusable as we want to make it. Because everybody yeah. loves Hermione so much, so we want to give her a pass. But I, I think this is a great point they make that mm -hmm. she seriously could have harmed him. Um, yeah. Cormac. And what if Ron ever found out that she did this? Like, he would be furious oh, that sure. she didn't believe in him enough that he mm -hmm. should do it on his own. Um, and I'm surprised that Harry isn't more upset that she yeah. took away his decision. Um, oh, I don't think Harry cares. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he like, would have done the same thing. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I know they're saying the dark magic just because it was something that could have been harmful, but I don't consider it to be dark magic. In yeah, this. I guess it depends on in the situations it's used. And Hermione, if he had fallen or anything like that, we all know Hermione would have saved him. That's true. Because that is something Hermione would do. But I definitely agree this isn't some heroic act of her doing or anything like that. Uh, and her breaking the rules. She's always been a rule breaker. But yeah, it always does seem that she's breaking the rules for the greater good or a common good. But this time she's definitely breaking the rules. I know it says for possibly Harry and Ron, but I think she's breaking it for herself, too, because she loves Ron, and um, she wants to see him succeed, and she knows he can do it, but she knows he doesn't think he can do it, so she's kind of giving him that extra boost. Yeah. There's definitely personal feelings and emotions going on here mm -hmm. that are clouding her judgment, yes. I would say. Definitely. 
Um, and Emily, one of our other commenters, had another thought on this same subject. Um, Emily says, I think the reason Hermione's behavior seems out of character in this chapter is because there's a difference between breaking the rules and flat out cheating. When Hermione has broken rules in the past, she's done it for the greater good, for lack of a better term. Going through the trap door in an attempt to keep the Philosopher's Stone from being stolen, brewing polyjuice with the hope of identifying the heir of Slytherin, forming the DA, her intentions there were all pretty noble. What most bothers me about Hermione confunding McLagan is her reaction when she thinks Harry has slipped Ron some Felix Felicis just a few chapters later. She thinks Harry's actions warrant expulsion. Harry calls her out on the hypocrisy here, and ultimately I think everyone is entitled to a little out-of-character behavior and lapses in judgment now and again. There's a quote that says something along the lines of, It's not surprising that truth is often stranger than fiction, because fiction has to make sense. In other words, because Hermione is a character, we expect her to fit within the confines of the box of her character that we've constructed for her. If she were a real person, I think it would be easier for us to accept an action like this, because sometimes people do crazy, out-of-character things. <laughs> I just love all of this. Yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, it is completely hypocritical for her to call out Harry when he didn't actually even use the He's, potion. He that's just pretended true. to. Yeah. Um, when she, she really did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so... And I like this, too, because it is pointing out that Hermione is a flawed character. Um, She's definitely more... She's probably one of the least flawed Mm -hmm. of the characters in this series. But we see here that she's not perfect either. Yeah, Um, which is good to see. It is. Because nobody is. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this brings a bit more humanity to her character and to the series. So, And maybe that's one of the reasons Joe um, included her doing this, because Mm -hmm. I think... Joe has said in the past that she identifies most with Hermione. Um, but Joe is also capable of making mistakes. She has mm-hmm. done that in the past, and usually she will, you know, own up to it when she does. Um, but yeah, so maybe it was good in a weird way that, mm-hmm. no, I... <laughs> that she had that lapse in judgment. I agree. To make her a bit more relatable. Yeah, definitely. So I want to give a few more shout outs. Um, frumpy but super smart. Rosmerta's turquoise shoes and Samuel Goldberg for schooling us, and I use that pun on purpose, on the <laughs> Australian and British school systems, which are significantly different from American schools. Because the hosts, and I would not have known any better either if I had been on the episode, um, were very confused about why the sixth year was so work intensive when it was not an exam year like OWL or Newt's. Um, but in the British school system, and I believe also in Australia, um, there is the same, at that same age, at that same year, same kind of thing happens. So this is not strange to a British reader. Um, but for us in America, we're like, what? We don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds to us like they should have less work, but that's not it at all. So if you want more information about how the Australian and British school systems work in that way, definitely go read their comments because they were very detailed and super helpful. So thank you guys for pointing that out. But it kind of makes sense for like American schools, like in 11th grade, the year before you're supposed to graduate too, you're trying to get into college. So my like 11th grade year was the hardest compared to senior year. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, because you're trying to get into school, so you've got to make your junior year look the best 
compared to your senior year and your senior year. That's why it's all like slack off your senior. So I can kind of <laughs> see it that way too, as our junior year being the same as a six year as when you're working really hard. Cause then you're going to take the GREs and those, I mean, not the GREs, that's college, the SATs, ACTs, you do that all before senior year. Yeah, see, my high school years were so long ago that I've forgotten <laughs> all of this. Like, literally, you guys, my 20th high school anniversary just, or reunion just passed. Oh, I just have my 10 year. Oh, yeah, I'm old. Um, I did not go, but... <laughs> oh, I didn't go to my 10 just... year. <laughs> I did go to that one. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, um, but yeah my, my hometown's like six hours away. Or, oh, I was just like, yeah. Ugh, I, I think I watched Harry Potter with my friends, actually. Nice. My friend, my friend, um, two of my friends who went to the same school were like, do you want to go? No. And they're like, because one of our friends has never seen Harry Potter or anything. So um, we're slowly t- showing her the movie. So we ended up, well, let's go ahead and just watch it that night. So we ended That's up watching, amazing. I think, the third one that night. <laughs> Anyways. That's way better than a school reunion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, hands down. <laughs> um, and we'd also like to thank uh, Aurora Sinestra. Weensy the Potterhead, Lisa, Feminist Cat, Rosemurder's Turquoise Shoes, and they've taken my Wheezy for also adding to the conversation. We appreciate all of you all adding and talking and keep on exploring all these possibilities. Yeah, keep it up, you guys. You You guys rock. And once again, I don't want you guys to forget to check out our Patreon page. Um, Please try and sponsor us if you can. To sponsor, you go to patreon.com slash alohomora. And thank you again, Paley, for sponsoring this episode. Yay, Paley! <laughs> and be sure to listen to our upcoming episode, number 230, where we're going to dive deep into the character of Sirius Black. You do not want to miss this one. So, thank you guys for listening. I'm Katie. And I'm Kristen. Mischief Managed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.